Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want to remind you about our friends at the Jazz Team Store. They're back up and running. They're open Monday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. So take advantage of it, especially this Saturday from 4 to 6. J-Dogs, our good friends, are going to be out there doing a pop-up on the Arena Plaza. So you can come get one of those family hot dog packs that are so awesome. The Jazz Bear is going to be making an appearance. They've got a great sale going on over Memorial Day weekend as well. Great social media promotions all sorts of great stuff. Plus, they're meeting all uh, health and safety measures in accordance with Salt Lake County Health Department. So you can come pick up your jazz gear and uh, and do so safely here at the team store at Vivint Smart Home Arena. There's uh, parking all around the arena, or you can park at Park Place, which is just kitty corner there on uh, 3rd West. Really easy to find, so come on by and uh, and take advantage of it. We're going to talk to Booner coming up here momentarily. Gordo, I feel like, you know, I talked to, to Boone after every single Jazz game. I feel like I haven't talked to him forever, doesn't it? It feels like longer than two months ago, doesn't it, that this all went down? Yeah, well, it has been. Uh, well, it's what's it been? Uh, nine weeks, something like that. Has it been ten weeks? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's been a while. In fact, uh, let's go ahead and get out uh, to the sprint special guest line. Joining us now, he's the radio analyst for the Utah Jazz. Our good friend Ron Boone. Booner, what's going on? How are you? Not a lot of nothing, man. Just you know, um, you know, finding time to do nothing during the day yeah i was gonna say you you <laughs> keeping busy staying sane golf still open have and you, going that's good right have you ever tried to find time to do nothing <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I, it seems like i used to try and find that time all the time now it's all i do what's going on with you guys huh Hey, we're just trying to talk what sports is out there. We were wrapped up in the Michael Jordan docuseries like everyone else, trying to talk about how the NBA would possibly come back. And, of course, jazz news uh, going on. Booner, let's let's start with the, the Michael Jordan docuseries with you. Have you been keeping up with that? And what do you think? I watched it. I was uh, glued to it, probably like everyone else, and um, was, I don't know, fascinated with uh, how controlling Michael Jordan was and how he got seemed to get the best out of a lot of players. You know, he, uh, you know, great players do things like that. And, and it was it was fun to watch, guys, believe me. And it was, uh, you know, parts of it you were wondering, like, you know, how can you take this from this guy, you know? But he got the best out of a lot of guys. Uh, Boone, are you always known as a player, as a tough competitor, uh, have you noticed in different guys' levels of this thing that Jordan had, almost as though his 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 identity was tied to, to every game, and he was he, he had to prove to the world that he was king? I don't know where that came from with him. I don't know if it started with him when he was cut. What was it, what was it the sophomore year he got cut by it? By uh, by Coastal in North Carolina. I don't know if that competitiveness started then uh, to the point where uh, he wanted to be the best at everything, and the way he went about it, uh, especially when he got to the pro ranks, and and uh, I mean just criticizing his teammates because he felt that if he didn't criticize them, that they he, he needed that drive out of them. He needed needed them to be better, uh, trying to get them at his level. And if you think about that guy, it's awfully tough to do it. And I think this is one of the reasons you don't see great players make great coaches or a good coach is because a lot of times players, uh, coach, I mean, great players just don't understand why the game doesn't come as easy 
for others as it did for them. And I think that's what Michael went through there for, for a period of time, uh, trying to get the best out of everyone. Um, but I've never seen anyone with that type of verbal drive, if you, if you understand what I mean. I, I play with guys, and, and you watch guys like Magic and all these guys, and Kareem, who play hard, and they try to lead by example on the floor. I mean, they, they leave it all out there on the floor. But Michael had this verbal drive that that – uh, should have irritated some players, you know, but uh, you can tell that as long as you're winning and you're doing things like that, then, you know, nothing said. What do you think about how the Jazz were portrayed, Booner? And I'll, I'll just give you my opinion real quick. I, I didn't think they were portrayed wrongly or negatively. I just didn't think there was enough. I didn't think they really told the Jazz story very well. I was expecting more because the way they were – the way they brought that to you, uh, you know, leading into 1998-97 and the 98 with the back-to-back uh, uh, games against the Jazz in the, in the, for the NBA Finals, I was expecting something bigger, if you know what I mean, uh, uh, meaning the, the footage to be a lot longer and, and covering a little bit more how competitive it was, uh, uh, what Carl Malone was able to do against them and how they countered that, you know, that type of thing. That's what I was expecting, and, and I didn't think the, the climax of that wasn't what I expected, that's for sure. Well, as I went back and I thought about that series, especially the one in 98, uh, where I thought that Jazz team was really, really good, and I thought they were going to win that series, actually. But, but when I went back and looked at the scores, I'd forgot all the scores were in the 80s. And all the scores were close, like one or two possession. The, the, the talent level was really close, and the scoring was way down. That was a different game back then, wasn't it? It was a totally different game. I mean, it was more of a half-court game. I, I thought that benefited the Jazz more so than the um, uh, than the Chicago Bulls. But most of those games, if you look at most of the games during the playoffs, even leading up to the championship, championship series, those games was in the 80s, uh, a 90s-plus game was, was considered to be high. That's because everyone played the half-court game once they got into the finals. And just think about the during the course of the year, um, I don't know, what did the Jazz win that, that, that 98 season? Did they win like 60, 60 games, 62 games, somewhere in there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of games where they scored in the 90s and maybe in the 100s. But as always, they, they say, okay, the game slows down when you get into the playoffs. Uh, and especially when you get into the finals and, and because defense takes over um, and defensive schemes and, and that, that type of thing. And uh, it, it came back to bite the jazz for the most part because Michael Jordan ended up stripping the basketball from Carl Malone. And, and, uh, but that was, uh, I was expecting a lot more out of, out, of the, out of the championship series as well. But those scores, hey, they weren't very high, but at least they were close enough to where it brought excitement to, to, the, to the win. Ron Boone with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And Booner, we saw in that uh, docuseries how uh, Jordan alleging that um, he was poisoned for the flu game with a poison pizza. Mm-hmm. We actually had uh, a guy on the air yesterday who claimed to be the one who delivered and made the pizza and said it was not poisoned. So what's your theory? Was Michael poisoned? Did he have the flu? Was he hungover? What happened? We'll never know, will we? We won't know who who's telling a lie there. But it's funny, guys, because I hadn't heard about pizza. I had heard about food, but I hadn't heard pizza. 
I had also heard that he was in Vegas all night, you know, or something like that. I mean, those were the rumors and the stories that were out there and the reason that he was so tired and, and because he had been down to Vegas and party and all that kind of stuff and, and came back and, and played the game. I had not heard pizza, but not to say that he wasn't, you know, he didn't get food poisoning. I mean, I don't know what kind of meat he had. Was it chicken? It could have been we bad. Were, I mean, we were told it was pepperoni. But it was pepperoni. Know. Well, I've never heard pepperoni being bad like that. But, mm. you know, you just never know what, you know, maybe with some bad food. I don't know. But whatever the case, um, <laughs> he played it well. He got it. What do, what do you guys think? Are you thinking, or you, you have your theory on this? You, you're thinking that it was um, something made up, right? Oh, I think it, some, some rogue jazz uh, fan poisoned him for sure. <laughs> <laughs> some no, uh, no, chemi- <laughs> a chemistry major, Booner, uh, probably working at the pizza shop. Yeah. So, so the the trainer, or not his trainer, his um, was it his trainer? Was yeah, it yeah his, his personal his, trainer. Yeah. I mean, he he chimed in on that as well, as though it was. Pizza. Now we know he did eat pizza, um, but man, was he sick or not? It's hard to say. Whatever the case, you know the Jazz got to the finals a couple of years in a row, had an excellent chance of, of, of winning that winning that series. I thought on paper we probably had a little deeper team, um, but you know Michael Jordan's just he's just unbelievable, or he was unbelievable. Booner, uh, moving ahead to what's going on now, I wanted to ask you about this surgery that uh, Boyan Bogdanovich underwent on his wrist. Did you ever hurt your wrist playing? And uh, isn't that remarkable that he could go as long as he did with a, he's right-handed and shooting the ball with a wrist injury like that? You know, it, it's fascinating. And David and I talked about, I don't know if you guys know, but David was on this, um, you know, throughout the year. You know, we'd sit in practice and we and we'd talk about uh, how he's withstanding the pain because once you shoot, you flick that wrist. You go, you're going to experience some some pain shooting the ball. But he was able to play right right through that. So David was on that throughout the uh, throughout the year, uh, and he still was able to score to score with it. But I've never had any wrist pain or anything like that, so I don't know, you know, totally what what he's going through. But I thought it was remarkable to the fact that he could still. What did he end up shooting? Forty two, forty three percent from the three-point line, and, and uh, it was, you would think that that would be hard to do. But uh, I've never had an injury like that, and so I can't really say that how painful it is and how to play through something like that, but obviously he got it done very well. If we do have some sort of playoff, Booner, how tough is it going to be for the Jazz to make a run without him? I think conditioning is, is going to be a key, and it's going to be hard. It's going to be very hard for them because he is their their – the, the, the leading scorer, uh, he's the, the three-point shooter. He, he's the one that that um, uh, they need, I, I think. And it's going to be tough to win, with, you know, to win without him. The Jazz system complements Boyan more more so than than what we thought at the beginning of the year, and uh, it's going to be tough to win without him, I think. Uh, but not to say that they can't do it. I mean, the Jazz uh, have players that you know can get the job done. Uh, and they have a system to complement certain guys on this team to make them better. Now, trying to get in shape and being ready to play in a short period of time, uh, who does it work for? I mean, does it work more so with individual talent like 
just throw out a, a team like the Houston Rockets or the Los Angeles Lakers where they have this individual talent. Does it work better with players like that, with a team built like that, or does it work better with a team that has a system that everyone can play in? That's going to be something to look at. It seems like the timing would be knocked off for a system team, doesn't it? A little, or at least take some time to get that coordinated again. You, you would think so, absolutely. And you hit it right on the head, Gordon. I, I think that it definitely would, uh, because you know individual talent. You know, you can you can go to the gym and, and perform that way, but when you put a, uh, collectively a bunch of guys together, then that, that really makes a difference. And then trying to. Uh, play without Boyan, uh, and who's going to pick up the slack? I mean, I mean, there's a lot of shots there to be taken. Can they do it collectively and get the job done? Uh, we just have to wait and see. Hopefully, you know, there's some games to be played here pretty quick. Yeah, no doubt. Ron Boone is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Ron, what was your reaction when you saw that Walt Perrin was leaving for the Knicks? Very surprised. Uh, I know uh, we was always glad to see him. You know, David and I, someone would be sitting there and shoot around, and we'd see Walt Perrin there, and we knew maybe something's going on when you see him, you know. But uh, he, he's been with the organization a long time, and kind of sad to see him uh, leaving this organization. I know he, he spends a lot of time in Chicago, um, but kind of sad to see him go. I mean, he was he's a very nice, uh, knowledgeable uh person you know and, and i thought he did well for this basketball team booner it said that uh, the jazz aren't going to hire anyone to replace walt that they're going to share those duties um that is a really unique skill isn't it being able to figure out uh which skilled players would fit into the nba game and which ones uh, not so much I, I've always thought, been fascinated with that, Gordon. Uh, and the reason for that is that, I mean, there are great college players that are great college players. And trying to make that decision on can they, can they transfer that great college ability uh, into the pro ranks uh, I, and, and separate the two, I, I've always thought that's been very, very hard for, for guys like Walt Perrin. Obviously, you know, they're out on the road quite a bit and they're watching players and, and – uh, they get a chance to watch him multiple times. Uh, and it's, to me, it's always been very difficult to do. Uh, again, I mean, they're out on the road and they're watching a lot of players, but they're great college players that just don't make it into the NBA. And then I've seen players that have, uh, you wouldn't think would be that good coming out of college because their stats didn't look that way, but really have a pro game for the most part and, you know, get 10 10 years in the league. So I've always thought that was been a very tough job, and, and Walt Perrin has done a very good job at it. Booner, have you at least called Locke up on occasion just to argue with him about something, bark with bark at him about the mid-range game or something? We, we do that all the time. Good. It's, it's kind of fun. But I, I love to make him back his, back his argument up. And David is so good at convincing you that he's right when he's wrong. So. <laughs> I love that, Booner. That's, that is my that. man. I, I, I love David. That's my man. So I can I can talk about him. You guys can. But I go <laughs> watch it. I go watch his daughter play golf all the time. She's going to be one of the best golfers in the state one of these days. So. Uh, Booner, yeah. you bring up a good point though, because I mean sometimes numbers really indicate something, but I I have a tendency to trust your eye. You know, mm-hmm. and, and there's a place for both, I suppose. Yeah. That is 
what makes it so tough for for guys like Walt Perrin and, and Dennis Lindsay and 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 even 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 uh, Quinn. Uh, watching players at the beginning of the season and, and uh, what players play best together and, you know, that type of thing. You have to have the eye for that. And and, uh, and, and now with analytics, you know, it makes it probably a little bit easier to, to put guys together. But you, you just can't rely on numbers, I think, of, of a player coming out of college anymore uh, because you just don't know if that tal- talent level in college is going to uh, translate into a very good NBA player. That's, that's how tough a job it is like that. I've always been fascinated with that guy, when guys can can do that. Perfect example is this, and I'll give you a story here, and, and, and it involved Walt Penn, as a matter of fact. Uh, Wesley Matthews uh, came to the Jazz, um, and, I would, you know, David and I sit there, we watch practice over and over and over and over, and I'm watching Wesley, and I'm thinking, boy, this kid's pretty good. He seems to be in the right spot uh, when he's on the floor. I think he's doing a lot of things well. And I mentioned it to Walt Perrin, and he says, yeah, but he can't shoot. So he gets a shot. Why? Because C.J. Miles gets hurt, remember? And he had to go to the D League or something like that. He gets a shot, and here he is now, what, 12, 13 years later, he's still in the NBA, and it's turned into a pretty good shooter. So being able to recognize something like that, and and then you have that guy that has that drive to be better like he did. You know, he, he, he turned that into a very good NBA career. Well, I hope, Booner, that you lorded that over Walt's head for all the years. I did. Believe me, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I let him know that I picked Wesley Matthews, not him. No, <laughs> that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> well, hey, Booner, thank you so much for jumping on with us, man. It's great to hear your voice, and uh, we appreciate the perspective. And, uh, hey, we're going to have to bug you again soon. I, now, do you and Gordon argue more than David and I? Ooh, that's a that's a good question. Um, I'm going to say no, no, I don't think we do, and we argue, we argue a lot. But see, you, see, you, you balance out David's geekiness, though, is what I like about. It. Okay, I, I'll give you that. What hey, do you Booner, think, Gordon? Booner, Booner, I, I, I got to ask Booner a question. When, when David, uh, were you there the time when Locke got hit by the T-shirt gun? <laughs> yes, it and, was. I mean, oh, hey, it, hey, it was in our arena. <laughs> yeah. And, and I was wondering, Austin, could you play right, full that? Full time out now, 157 left. I didn't get to see the replay on that. We'll try to see if we can get it when we come back. Jazz by nine, 157 left in the set. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that probably brought a smile. David stands. He stands when he, when he broadcasts. That T-shirt knocked him. It's a good thing that chair was right behind him. That T-shirt knocked him right back down into that chair, you know. It was funny. Because you're concentrating on the game, and you're probably, he's probably looking at his computer or whatever, and bam. Oh, my God. You know, you know. <laughs> oh, I would have loved so much to have seen that live. I, I would have loved so much to be you, Booner, watching that happen right as it happened. Well, I was afraid from him at, at first, but then I saw he was all right. Then it became funny as hell. <laughs> Thanks, Pooter. You're the man. All right, guys. We'll see you. See you. That's the great Ron Boone, uh, radio analyst for the Utah Jazz. He and David Locke do a terrific, terrific job. Uh, it's been fun being a part of that broadcast for the last several years. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I miss hearing those guys uh, talk. They do a heck of a broadcast. 
Yeah, they do, and then they toss it back to you, and you ruin everything. I do. It's true. But, <laughs> you know, we were joking about the arguing thing. You know, one thing about their broadcast, which I really, really like, Jazz is... by nine, <laughs> 157, left in the cell. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, David and Ron bring two very different perspectives, and I think that's yeah. uh, that brings a lot of value to the broadcast because you, you really do get a great feel of what's going on. Uh, uh, because of their different perspectives. I, I think it's unique. Well, one thing, yeah, having worked with Ron uh, back uh, many moons ago when we did the morning show together with DJ, um, he, he's, he's very confident in his experience in the game. And so when someone challenges him, whoever's going to challenge Booner better better have some some backup bring the to heat it. yeah yeah because Booner knows i mean he's lived it he 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 knows exactly and he's watched it for all these years so i think there is value on both sides of that so it's good to hear uh various perspectives all right stay tuned coming up next we'll have drop of the day we're going to get to that Carl Malone story that we didn't get to yesterday talking about Shaq and Greg Ostertag stay tuned 97.5 and 1280 of the zone if you missed yesterday's uh, sounds uh, uh, of various uh, clips, then you won't know exactly what we're talking about right now. But that is definitely appointment radio, isn't it? This one goes out to David on a total request Tuesday. Songs about the ocean. It's the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. It's time for Sounds of Various Clips, also known as Drop of the Day. Gordon, we were uh, going to play this yesterday and we got sidetracked. Uh, but, uh, of course, everybody knows the the kind of overall story about Shaq and Greg Ostertag, the slapping, right? Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard Carl tell his perspective? Uh, not that I remember. Me either. Uh, but he was on. Now, Austin, help me describe what this is. This was like a, a reunion of NBA inside stuff on a Zoom call. Yeah, after uh, the Last Dance documentary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so somebody recorded it, and uh, Carl was talking about Greg Ostertag, and Shaq is actually on this call and talking about that slapping incident. Yeah, I got one. I got one for you, and I got I got to talk about Shaq right now. Yeah. We had a, we had a guy that we drafted out of Kansas, and you guys gonna remember this? Shaq ready to crack up now. Look, he ready to start laughing. We we had a young man on his, we had a young man on his way, and we thought we had what we needed until we uh, met Shaq and him in a preseason game in the old form. He stopped the man contacts out. <laughs> Hey, he up Greg Ostertag for the rest of his life. This is why the NBA changed that you could not get on the floor to the other team left. So we had played Shaq. Shaq no, we had stop no, we had played uh uh the Lakers uh the year before and and uh Ostertag started yakking. Well, lo and behold, the NBA scheduled us to play the Lakers, one of our first preseason games, in the fall. So, Shaq, he had told me earlier, he said, hey, when I see that I'm I said, we understand. He said, no, 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 I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm And he is not lying. We waiting on him to come out to the preseason uh, after shoot-around. Shaq walked right to him. He said, man. 
I told you to stop talking that Before we can even respond, Ostertag's on the ground looking for his contact. Season start this game start tonight. I'll pay your fine. You got to state your allegiance, son. You got to go hit him or something. <laughs> <laughs> like you want Ostertag for the rest of his career. <laughs> Ruined uh, Ostertag for the rest of his life. Wow, wow. I'm with you though. Where's the rest of the team? Carl yeah. tells him to go stick up for himself. He, Why are you sticking up for he him? He said before they could respond, he was on the floor. Well, yeah, they could have responded you know, could, while Tag was on been, the floor. Yeah. And they were looking for his contacts. I don't know what to tell you. Couldn't they have run over to, to rescue their guy? Well, Shaq told to Carl. fight Shaq? Shaq told Carl he was going to do it. Said, next time I see that guy, I'm going to slap him. And that's what he did. Well, I will say this, that Carl Malone was a physical specimen. I mean, the guy was unbelievable. But standing next to Shaq, he looked downright diminutive. I mean, Shaq was that big. I don't know whether I wouldn't want to mess with Carl, but um, but I I don't know whether anyone was too eager to come to the rescue. If you had to fight one or the other, who are you going to fight? Shaq, Shaq or, or Carl? Or Carl yes. at the time? I don't or like now. my choices. <laughs> uh. I might, I might pick Shaq just because you remember that fight he had with Brad Miller. Yes, Shaq is not much of a fighter, and he slapped Ostertag. Let's not forget that. Yeah, but when a Yosemite grizzly bear smacks you, <laughs> oh, I got it. It may as well be a Halliburton. But but Carl is a giant too. I feel like the you know like the Brad Miller fight. I feel like that big windmill swinging thing he called a punch. I feel like I can get out of the way of that, or at least have a better chance of getting You'd out of the float way. Of like that. a butterfly, huh? Because you're really not. You're not. It's like it's like a crossing uh, guard arm at the train track coming down. You got time to maybe step to the side, right? You and, see it coming down, and look who yeah. we're picking from. I mean, you're like, oh, I'll, yeah. I'll I'll fight the smaller guy, and that guy's Carl Malone. <laughs> I mean, what kind of option is that? Carl had uh, he had quick hands, and he would have been harder, I think, to avoid. But I don't know. Now, what if it's just plain Greco-Roman wrestling? Who is your opponent? I guess Carl. Really? Well, I don't know. I don't see, know. See, I think Shaq would turn into like a tickle fight. I don't think he has the, the mean streak in him. <laughs> the man well, made I a movie about a genie. See, I didn't see too many people mess with Carl Malone through his career. I mean, do you recall anybody who really stepped in front of Carl and challenged him? To fight Carl Malone? Yeah, but that's just because the NBA... Not, I'm not saying this about Carl. I'm saying it about other players. Like, the NBA is so full of fake tough guys. I mean, any fights, for the most part, that we see in the NBA is a big guy going after a little guy. I mean, that's what Kevin Garnett made his living on. I mean, remember, uh, remember Jerry Stackhouse, who he decided to fight on the Jazz? Jeff Hornacek. <laughs> Jeff Hornacek. Jeez, pick it on Hornacek. Well, I know that Rodman got tangled up with Carl and they showed that in the last dance, but that was just goofiness, you know, and that was promoting their wrestling match that was to come. Uh, but I, to get right up in Carl's grill, 
Brian Grant and, did it uh, once, I think. Act like you were going to try and punch him. I, I, I that didn't happen very often because uh, people didn't want to mess with Carl. Brian Grant was a big dude. There's a guy I haven't thought about in a long time. He was a, That was a big man. I'm watching the, the highlight here. Mike Dunleavy goes off Game 5, 1999 playoffs, Portland at Utah, and Brian Grant and Malone squaring up against each other. No what punches happened? No punches are thrown or anything. Mm-hmm. It's an NBA mm-hmm. thing. But yeah. Brian Grant got right up next to him. Well, one guy who you uh, probably wouldn't be that intimidating would be Greg Ostertag. Did I ever tell you guys that story Ouch. that I had? A, I owned a donkey once, and I named him Greg. I think Greg owned a donkey once and named him Gordon. Isn't that how the story I'm, goes? Oh, <laughs> oh, is that how it went? I, I I talked to Greg later about that, and he said he made the whole thing up. But anyway, oh, you were really con- really worried guys, about getting both, to the bottom of that, were you? Both, you thought that Carl that was true. And, both Carl and Greg uh, gave me. Plenty of things to write about through the years, so for that I I thank both of them. Wait, did you think that Greg really had a donkey named Monson? No, he just told he just offered it up to me that he was joking. Oh, okay. Because I think we all thought it was a joke, right? I don't know. My dreams are shattered now. Oh, right. (laughs) We we thought that that was that was a real thing. This just in. Don't believe in anything. I didn't mean to ruin that for you. Back to you. All right. You just shattered Austin's uh, whole perspective on life, Gordon. Coming up after the break, Christmas and my report. All right. I didn't mean to shatter your dreams. I mean, but anyway. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. We'll have more straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So put your hands together and please welcome. This is Utah's best sports radio. You're listening to The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding you forward on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Who requested this one, Austin? Uh, this one goes to Living in SLC. Living in SLC. And Gordon likes this song. Well, I did when it came out. Uh, well, don't let, me, don't let me shame you into not liking a song. It's all right. No, I mean, I, I liked it back then because it reminded me of my time as a sailor. Oh, let's um, not go dead back down that road. That's not necessary. And, of course, it has sort of a... A melancholy feel to it, and so I, I missed, uh, you know, getting back into port. Or uh, you were in the navy. My, 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 <laughs> lo- my love interest. What was the best type of knot to uh, to dock up at night there? Oh man, I, I I've forgotten more about knots than you ever knew. Um, but uh, name us, I, name us the one. president. Yeah, <laughs> see, that was a very uh, was a very like. <laughs> Believe me, on the on the I know everything about knots. I'm the ultimate expert on knots. Name a knot. A square knot. How about the sailor's knot? Right. Yeah, there's that too. Uh, The nautical knot. The half hitch. (laughs) The 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 bowling, the bowline, the uh, water knot, the overhand knot, the two half hitches. 
Come on, you guys. That was Googled right there is what happened Googled? there. Googled? You know me. I can't Google anything Gordon starting with, oh, there's the square knot and, uh, the uh, and then just rattled the off gr- like 20. The yeah. granny. You know, you know, the sheep shank. Come See, on, God, guys. He's here. been good. Uh, that's Googled is what's happened there. <laughs> and I, I do. I love it. I love it that the simplest thing you make Austin Google, but when you're trying to cover it up, all of a sudden your Google skills are just terrific. What month is President's Day, uh, Mr. <laughs> Know-It-All? Just Google that. Just well, Google you know. that for me. And then <laughs> trying to sneak something past us, all of a sudden you're a Google machine. <laughs> the sheep shank. And uh, mispronounced Bolin. <laughs> Boline. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't, you know, it's not my job to educate you guys about such things. No, but, uh, no, it's, it's certainly... You, know, uh, you can pay me later. Uh, I mean, it's certainly not. Uh, Gordon, uh, news today, it was confirmed uh, Boyan Bogdanovich had his surgery on his wrist. It was done in New York. It was done this morning. Uh, the Jazz uh, sent out a release saying that it was successful. Uh, that spells the end of his season, whatever the, the fashion this season takes for its conclusion. It will not include Boyan Bogdanovich. We talked to Boone about it uh, earlier in this hour, uh, but uh, that's, a, that's a tough loss for the Jazz. I don't know what this the rest of the season is going to look like, but he made himself out to be a real Really important, important piece of this team like we talked about yesterday. He did. Under the circumstances, if things had been normal and we were heading into the postseason now to watch what was going to happen, Jazz fans would really be upset about this. But because of the lack of NBA action, uh, everyone's just sort of numb to, uh, to, you know, they'll take whatever they can get, I think. But without him there, then I think Joe Ingles would play an increased role. I think the scoring burden would be heavier on Mike Conley. Uh, and, you know, there there would be opportunities for those guys to show more than they've shown this season. Yeah, there so. would be. Um, it, yeah, I mean, it comes back to what Dennis said on our show a couple of weeks ago. I mean, it's it's there's a lot of things about this whole situation that are just a shame. But it is a shame where the Jazz never got a chance to click in the part of the season where they traditionally do. Yeah, yeah. And now when when they come back, I mean, who was it that uh, that was talking to us yesterday? Was Maddox who was saying that? I mean, no matter what form it takes, it's going to just be its own thing. It's it's not going to feel like a continuation off of the season. It's it's going to feel like its own tournament in a in a sense. Yeah. And uh, we're going to be left with that forever. On was it going to click with the Jazz? You know, was it was it working? Was the tide turning? Yeah. Yeah, Jake. And to to pretend it was anything other than that is just kind of silly. Right. I mean, because you got to face it for what it is. And this thing has been disjointed now. And, and uh, uh, yeah, the outcome will I, – I can't say it uh, in a declarative way that the outcome will be different than it would have been otherwise, but there's a good chance that that's the case. You know what's weird, I, though? And I, I was thinking about this the other day. Do you remember after game one when Mike Conley had a bad game? Like a historically bad game. It was not good, but it was his first game of the Jazz uniform, and everybody was just freaking out, and we were going, okay, we got to be patient. Got to give him some time to get worked into the lineup, and on and on. And for a variety of different circumstances, I mean, that was a huge topic after game one. It was a huge topic for the whole season, and we never got, we never got that conclusion. He started to show more, I think, as time went on. But the injuries didn't help. Right, for know? a variety I mean, of reasons, yeah. Yeah, there were things that got in the way. But I saw more room for positivity 
later on. And that's why I I think he's continued to be able to process this stuff. And if he were called upon to play a larger role offensively for the Jazz in, a, in whatever form a potential postseason would take, I, I would predict him to outdo his season totals by by a, a noticeable difference. Well, and playoffs turn into a different animal, and he had a ton of playoff experience. And things yeah. slow down, and uh, you rely more on, on talent and your best players beating the other team's best players. And, you know, regardless of Mike's difficulties transitioning to the Jazz, he's a good player. He's a great player. And so he has a lot of experience. All things considered, good signing or bad? Well, it was a good trade or bad? Yeah, yeah. That's... Uh, oh, man. Inco- I know it's complicated. Uh, well, it's because... inconclusive. You can't. Uh, are you prepared to say one way or another? Uh, no, I think we need more information because I, I really believe that we haven't seen the best of what that can be for the Jazz uh, because of the, the delay in development. Uh, I think there's the potential is there. I don't think that Mike Conley suddenly forgot how to play or lost his talent. I think it, there was uh, an underestimation of, of the enormity of the adjustment. How much weight yeah. do we put into his injury uh, injuries? I and his say. injuries. Yeah. It matters. Mm-hmm. All that stuff matters because you're not on the floor with your teammates. And it would, remember how weird it was because the team had its best stretch when Mike wasn't there? Now, I don't think any sane basketball-minded person would make an argument that a team is better without Mike Conley. But that, that was a weird wrinkle in the season, right? And then he had to work him back in and had to create a different dynamic in the locker room, too. Yeah, but I think once you get into a postseason, like you were alluding to earlier, Jake, that uh, Mike Conley's value would rise. Oh, yeah. I, I 100% believe that. Well, value value would rise. Now, whether he'd rise to that uh, and play better, I don't know. We we didn't, you know, we'll hopefully get an answer to that question, I suppose. But, I mean, the Jazz would sink or swim uh, uh, greatly depending on how Mike played. I think he was like a torpedo loaded into the tube, ready to fire. I, I, I that may be a lame analogy, but I, I think he was he was ready to do better things. Uh, just the way he was playing, or what? Yeah. What led you yeah. to that conclusion? I I thought he's comfort. He looked more comfortable on the floor, and he looked more potent. And uh, obviously, I, there's no way of proving that that would have been the case unless it actually happens. And even now, if, if if the team does come back and play, you have to wonder how it would have been had uh, the continuity been there. But but uh, we don't know that, and that's all a part of the mystery and the intrigue of what might come next. Well, I think Dennis Lindsay would agree with you that Mike was playing better. I mean, he said as much on our show a couple of weeks ago. And, and again, the, the great, uh, you know, uh, unfortunate nature of this is we're just not going to know. Mm-hmm. Just not going to know how it would have gone. Now, maybe he comes back and, and plays out of his mind uh, in for the conclusion of the season or postseason or whatever, and we're like, oh, hey, maybe he just needed a break. I don't know. But it is going to be weird. Well, he's got the advantage of having a sparkling gym attached to his house. That he does. All right, we'll have more Big Show coming up straight ahead. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
Wrapping up a big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Another show comes and goes, Gordo. Yeah, we had a lot of fun today and uh, had some terrific guests and whatnot. So uh, it's been a good day. Uh, you and I got in a big argument and I was right and you were wrong or or you were right and I was wrong. I can't really remember. One of those. Yeah, yeah we had yeah, one of those. But, uh, we talked to Christian Cox. Actually, one of was, that, that, it, it's one of those arguments where I think uh, where we... <laughs> We're arguing, but somehow we're agreeing at the same time. It's just uh, the words you choose to uh, to express yourself. But uh, it was about uh, the COVID-19 pandemic and sports and when all that will get started again and should it get started. And I have a column that I wrote uh, that will be posted, I believe, tomorrow morning on that very subject. So you'll be able to either agree or disagree with me once again, Jake. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll look forward to that. SLTrib.com. Um, talk to Christian Cox today. That was great. That's up online, 1280thezone.com. It was fun um, uh, checking in with Booner today. It had been a minute since we yeah. uh, checked in with Ron Boone. That's up at 1280thezone.com as well. Booner sounded good. He sounded like he was uh, Booner, Booner, he sounded a little bored. L- let me say this about Booner. I think he... I'm not exactly sure how old Ron is, but he looks a lot younger than he... I mean, he looks young. Uh, but I, I think he's gotten... He's he's as good now as he's ever been, as far as his analysis goes, and I think that's a that is a reflection of his passion for the game. Yeah, no doubt. Certainly, not the knowledge, Gordon, over that kind of experience. You listen yeah. when Booner speaks. Well, like I said, he's been around. All right, uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow on the Big Show, Gordo. You enjoy your evening. You too, Jake and Austin, and all our listeners out there. Please stay safe, stay sane. It's the Big Show, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty of the Zone.